So which episode do you want to do first? Okay. Uh, on you, on shoot. Er, right now. On shoot. Best two out of three. Ready? Oh. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we're doing Another mine. One. Welcome back, everyone. Hi. Hi. I you guys actually had some sort of response. <laughs> oh. Coffee's waking me up. Hey, coffee. Yes, coffee is like liquid gold. Mm. So I just chocolate covered um, coffee beans for Easter. Oh my gosh, those things are so good. Never those tried things them. like make my heart race. You need it with three kids, three and under. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, anyways, Father Kevin, it's good to see your face. It's good to see your virtual faces as well. Yeah. So yeah. you said that uh, you wanted to start us off here. Well, week. I wanted to ask if either of you ladies have a birdhouse or a bird feeder at your dwelling places, your abodes, your homes. So we just got our, our house, right? We moved in a few weeks ago. And because there was snow when we moved in, we couldn't get into our, our shed in the back. So we just were able to get into it because it's been warmer and Jason's gone into it a couple times. I haven't. So I went into it yesterday and I'm like, Oh, they have a bird feeder. Maybe I'll bring it out and use it this summer. Perfect. So yes, I do have a bird feeder. <laughs> okay. The reason I ask is because I just put one up at my place for the first time. Um, and there's actually, believe it or not, some spiritual significance behind this. It's not just a random question because one time I was on retreat and I remembered a priest saying on a podcast once that his favorite command of Jesus was look at the birds. Or I think it's Luke 11 or Luke 12 when Jesus is like, look at the birds. Notice how they don't sow or reap. Your heavenly father takes care of them. And it's just like a very peaceful in the face of anxiety type of passage and so i was like all right i'm gonna look at the birds jesus i'm gonna take you up on that so i bought the bird feeder and got it all set up and it's it's really cool it's like right where when i wake up in the morning make my cup of coffee i look out this window and i can see it and then it's also from the, the kitchen window and my back porch but it's been like three days and i have yet to see any birds so i don't know if that's like got some spiritual connection as well like i don't know but they, they have to they have to learn right yeah. that, that yeah. you actually are providing them with food so right. i i actually i was living with this is when i was still in finley i was living with a, a couple from mexico and irma loves the birds and she named these cardinals that that were at the, the house right and uh and so her and i would wake up in the morning and we would sit and as we would be getting ready to you know have breakfast or a cup of coffee we would sit there and watch the birds and she's like oh there's like dobermine or something i can't remember i maybe it was a catalina or something i don't remember what sound like names, names from the lord of the rings or something it, it wouldn't surprise me um i need to ask her what but what i can't remember what the names are but we would sit there and watch the birds and she yeah. loved them Oh, she loved them. My dad, growing up, he always had a bird feeder, and he loves he loves feeding the birds. So, yeah, he he would we would it, the it was right out our dining room uh, window, and so we'd come home Sunday morning. My dad would make breakfast, and we'd just 
see all the birds gathering around. There's always a big deal when you see the first robin of oh, the yeah. spring. Yeah. It's just big peaceful. Deal. Like I can even hear the birds in the background right now. And especially after you go through that, you know, dark, damp Midwest winter and the birds are the sign that spring and summer are coming. I don't know. It's just trying to become more attuned to the little things um, and, and the way that God can be at work in those little things. So, Oh, one of my favorite things about having a house is we've been sleeping this past week with the windows open and at the apartment, we never would open the windows at night because we were on the first floor. And so it was just kind of like a safety thing. Um, but now all of our bedrooms are on the second floor. And so I've been waking up and hearing the birds and it's like one of my favorite things. It was when we bought the house, it was one of my, the, the thing that I was like really excited for was being able to wake up and hear the birds. We sound like we're old retired people talking hey, about I'm, I'm embracing it. We're, <laughs> we're all almost 30. I'm not feeding them bread at least. Like that's, that's the next step probably. That's like and, Mary Poppins level. And getting like the book of like the Michigan guide to birds or whatever, like identifying them. That's I think the next step of, okay, you're getting more and more an old person, but Hey, I think it's a good hobby, whether you're old or not. So I will not be surprised if one day you say, guys, look at this bird book. I bought. I, yeah, I, I know. I'm like, I'm saying this now. And like, literally by the end of this episode, I'm just going to be on my phone ordering that book from Amazon. Guys, like, look what I just ordered. Shoot. Yeah. That'll be my one joy today. <laughs> yeah. They are pretty. And it, it is that reminder of, you know, new life and springtime and all of that. So, but with that, uh, before we bore our listeners with talking about birds. (laughs) Uh, Father, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the cause of our joy, a.k.a. Mary. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like she gets guest appearances throughout most of these episodes, but this one is going to be more um, with her kind of being at the center, which is kind of ironic because, you know, she's all about making Jesus the center. But at any rate... uh, so, all right, so I'm, I'm not really an external processor. I'm more of an internal processor. So I usually wait to say things out loud after I've thought it through and thought of the best way to say it. But I, I'm at a place where I, I just can't figure out how to say it. So I'm just going to put a bunch of words out there and it's going to be your job to figure out what I'm trying to say. But I'm ready to take notes. All right, good. Challenge accepted. So it just seems like I've been getting the question recently more than usual um, from like faithful Catholics who are coming to Mass every Sunday and, and maybe they know how to pray the rosary, maybe not, but they at least know the Hail Mary and, you know, maybe they have an image of Mary in their home. But it just seems like more and more people that I've been talking to recently are opening up about how they kind of feel ashamed that they don't seem to like get Mary or like, I don't really know how she's supposed to fit in here with like my relationship with God. And it seems sometimes like we're giving her too much attention. And so I'm not even talking in this particular episode about how sometimes, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters can have misconceptions about Mary. Like, oh, you guys worship her. And it's like, no, we don't worship Mary. We worship God alone, but we have this special honor for Mary. So I'm not even going down like the route of how do we defend the teachings of our church, of all the dogmas and doctrines, what I was hoping we could do was um, each of us maybe share a little bit of our testimony of how we have 
maybe walked with Mary over the years um, in terms of, you know, maybe we learned the rosary at a young age, but, um, you know, Mary-Kate, I'm interested to hear about how maybe becoming a mother helped you to relate to Mary in a different way. Um, I have my own kind of story of how, um, how I kind of viewed Mary as a kid and then at the point I'm at now where I'm at in relationship with her. So you see how I'm, I'm not trying to go like the um, church teaching route necessarily about like how do we make sense of Mary, but more from a personal standpoint, how have we all journeyed with Mary, come to know her, come to incorporate, like develop a relationship with her to know her as an actual person and not merely this idea or merely a statue, like what's that looked like. So um, if you want time to think about it, I can share my story first, at least how I see it, unless uh, one of you ladies want to um, jump in first with some thoughts. Why don't you go ahead and share uh, yours and then we'll share our personal testimonies too. Sure. Yep. I'm, I'm hoping as, as personal as possible. Um, yep. Church teaching yep. is amazing and it can help us make sense of it. But um, yeah, going for how is it, how has all this affected me personally, you know? So I think if I had to think about it for myself, so growing up, um, we didn't have any maybe particularly strong Marian devotions in the family. Um, I don't really think I learned how to pray a rosary until maybe high school or college. Um, we didn't really do much in the home about Mary other than, I guess I, I can think of at Christmas time when you put out the nativity scene and you got the little statue of Mary there. And I also knew that when you wake up from a bad dream, um, my mom gave me the advice to pray a Hail Mary prayer. And that would kind of bring me a sense of peace. So it's like, okay, so that's, you know, good, I guess, positive exposure to Mary at a young age. Just she's the one that brings you peace when uh, you wake up from a bad dream. But that was kind of the extent of um, the way that I would like interact with Mary or the way that I saw her. Um, when I got to college, I kind of went down the apologetics route. So for our listeners, apologetics is like, how do you defend church teachings based on like Bible verses and all those different things? So as, as I'm having these questions myself, or as other people are asking these questions of, you know, why do you guys give so much attention to Mary? And like, where's that teaching in the Bible? The more I had to really study up on why does the church teach what she teaches about Mary? Why do we seem to give her so much attention? How do we make sense of all these different devotions and images and everything? So it was a lot of like learning about Mary, but um, I had kind of the significant encounter with her, I guess you could say, um, when I was open to starting to think about the priesthood. Um, I was learning how to pray with scripture for the first time, like how to take a passage and actually kind of close your eyes and meditate on the passage and allow the Lord to, um, you know, speak to you through the passage that you're praying with. And I was praying with the story of the Annunciation. So the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and asking if she would be the mother of God. And she says, yes. And as I prayed with that, I just felt convicted. Um, okay, here's this 14 year old girl. She doesn't see every step that's ahead of her, but she trusts God enough to say, I'm totally yours. I abandoned myself to you and to your will. Uh, do with me what you will. And I just remember feeling convicted as a 20-year-old guy, like, man, this 14-year-old girl's got more courage than me and, uh, and, and trust in God and everything. So I, I credit her and like praying with that passage for giving me the courage to just take that leap of faith and just enter seminary, not knowing for sure if God was going to call me to be a priest or not. But um, she was at least that inspiration. So, but I, I would say when I got to seminary, that's where things got <laughs> a little weird, a little, uh, 
Yeah, so I, I go to seminary, and I'm like, all right, going to be a priest, going to learn how to pray, all these different things. And the more that I started talking with guys and, and going and visiting them in their rooms and everything, the more I noticed, man, these guys have a lot of images of Mary in their room. And, oh, wow, they're wearing scapulars and uh, miraculous medals, and they're praying the rosary every day, and they're praying all these other litanies, and we're having first Saturday devotions. And I was just kind of like overwhelmed by all the different Mary things that I, I guess I hadn't been exposed to at that point. And at that particular time, seeing all those things, oh, and then like guys would be wearing chains because they had done the Marian consecration. And so I think it left me with this impression of, oh shoot, I'm falling behind. I should be having all these images and have all these devotions and all those different things. And so I felt like I wasn't doing enough. And until I take on all these different devotions and everything, then um, I, I wasn't doing it right yet as a Catholic. And so I started learning about these things. And for a while there, you know, I was wearing the miraculous medal. I was wearing a scapular. I did do the Marian consecration. I was trying to pray a rosary every day. And after a while, it just kind of got exhausting. And I realized I was doing all of these devotions, but I wasn't really like growing with Mary in a relationship. And so finally, you know, after a few years of that, um, a, a spiritual director kind of gave me the permission, you know, you don't have to take on all of the different devotions there are in the church. Like, just pick one that seems to speak to your heart or like with all the Marian apparitions, right? Like there's Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Knock. Um, there's like all these different images and, and apparitions of Mary. And it's like, okay, maybe you're drawn to one or maybe two. You can honor and like respect the other ones, but maybe there's one in particular that speaks to your heart. It's like, okay. I, so I just felt like it was helpful to be given permission that I don't have to do it all like, I don't have to do 50 different devotions. Instead, I can do one or two of them pretty faithfully. And the ones that where Mary seems to be speaking to my heart in a particular way. So I know at that point, um, I really started to feel drawn towards the image of Mary as star of the sea, um, which is a, is a beautiful devotion that, you know, listeners can um, look up a little bit of the background behind that. But I just love kind of the artwork and the symbolism behind Mary being um, the star of the sea. Um, so like, when things are dark, um, sailors look to the stars to kind of make sense of where to go. And so that's um, a, an image for Mary. Um, and also the image of mother of perpetual help. And just, I love that image of Jesus as a child jumping into Mary's arms. And like even his sandal is falling off because he's just in that motion of jumping into her arms for safety as he sees the angels nearby holding the instruments of the passion, right? And, um, and I, I think the last thing for me that was helpful in my walk with Mary, um, and, and I say last thing in terms of like the most recent thing, it's obviously an ongoing relationship, um, just like any other human relationship, was I guess another way that I struggled with Mary was thinking, okay, she's immaculately conceived, she's you know sinless, she's the queen of heaven, and all those things are true and they're good. Um, but the impression it left me with was, Therefore, she's like up in heaven and she doesn't want to even get close to me because I'm sinful and I struggle and all these different things. So it just kind of felt like there was this distance between me and Mary. And so it was trying to uh, get this sense of how can I acknowledge all of those things are true. She is without the stain of original sin. Um, she is the queen of heaven. And at the same time, she's fully human. She's first and foremost a mom, right? And I think the image from uh, the Passion, which probably you ladies were going to bring up at some point, where um, 
she has that flashback to the child Jesus um, stumbling and going to pick her up, that, pick him up. That was, I think, big for me um, to get that sense of the humanity of Mary, that she's not merely some statue or just she's kind of up in the sky doing her own thing, but that she loves me as a mother. And so I, I found even now, like, um, you know, I, I personally do not do a daily rosary um, like some people do, but I, I do pray it, you know, regularly. And I have a couple other devotions and a couple other images that help me to to think about her. And the other thing I started doing as a priest is um, before um, every Mass, I usually go to the statue of her in our church, and I just ask her to pray for me, pray for the people of the parish, uh, pray that I may uh, celebrate this Mass uh, worthily and well, and that people's hearts would be opened to uh, receive, you know, new outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a more fruitful reception of her son Jesus in the Eucharist. So that's been kind of like my latest uh, way of uh, relating with Mary, but um, that's just kind of like a broad overview of how I've grown over the years of coming to know Mary as a person who desires a relationship with me and um, maybe some of the blocks or like obstacles I kind of had to work through in order to um, have permission to not do a million things, but just find a couple ways where she seemed to be drawing me closer to her. Do you want to go or let me go? I can go. Okay, so I guess for me, I'm literally named Mary. So you would think she's probably got a a pretty good relationship with Mary, but kind of like with you, Father, it kind of had to grow. I kind of had to choose it for myself. However, I, I do have to say this. Mary was basically my parents' matchmaker. So the story is my dad is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My mom is from Essexville, Michigan. So and they met when they were like 16 years old. So, you know, it wouldn't have been an easy way to meet someone in a completely different state back in back in the day. So my dad went on a pilgrimage to Fatima. It was just like an all all guy trip, all teenage guys. Um, And while he was there, he met these two young guys from Michigan and they became friends. And once they got back to the States, they were like, let's keep in touch. Let's phone call, send letters, whatnot. So my dad called one day and a girl answered the phone and he was like, oh, hey, is Matt there? And uh, the, the girl goes, yeah, I'll go get him for you. And Matt gets on the phone and my dad goes, who is that? And Matt goes, oh, that was my younger sister, Mary. And my dad goes, oh, we'll put her back on the phone. And that's how my parents started talking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so Our Lady of Fatima was my uh, parents' matchmaker. So for the longest time, my my family has had a devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. So um, that's that's been primary for, for our family. I know my brother also has a a strong devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe just because of how insane the image is <clears throat> and everything that's in it. But uh, I guess for me, growing up, it was always really cool because I was born on the feast of Our Lady's birthday. So as a little kid, I thought I was the only one ever born on September 8th. And that was my thing. Oh, I was born on Mary's birthday. No one else can claim that. <laughs> um, so that's that's also partly how I got my name. Um, I was born on her birthday. Um, and my family would do family rosaries and, and all of that. But I guess as a teenager, a young teenager and, and getting into college years, I, I had to kind of choose Mary for myself. 
Um, because yeah, it's like, okay, I've got a strong devotion to Jesus, especially in the Eucharist. And so how does this kind of fit in? And I think for me, the biggest thing was when I was single and knew that I was meant for marriage, um, I would keep coming back to, um, Mary saying, uh, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Um, and just kind of looking to her to learn how to trust um, because she had the ultimate trust. It's like you said, Father, she's 14 years old and this angel comes to her and says, are you willing to be the mother of the Savior? And so I really learned how to trust from her and that was kind of a big step in my relationship with her. And then, yeah, once I became a mom, I remember my mom saying to me as I was preparing for the birth of our firstborn, you know, just go to Mary. Say, you know, my mother, my help, my mother, my help, my mother, my help. So I'm, I'm, you know, going through birth. I'm saying my mother, my help, my mother, my help. And it was the day after Ash Wednesday. And I was like, okay, Jesus, like, I'm going to be with Mary at the foot of your cross. Like, help me through this. And I got through about two hours of that, and I was like, give me the epidural. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It's <laughs> honest. Um, so she helped me by helping me realize that I needed the epidural. Okay. <laughs> but um, just with the day-to-day, um, you know, realizing that Jesus was a little kid too. He, he, had, he had his toddler moments, and so – Learning from Mary in that way has really helped in my relationship with her as well because she was a mom. You know, she had to teach him how to go to the bathroom in a certain way. You know, like she had to teach him how to eat with a spoon or maybe they didn't, they probably ate with their hands. But, you know, she, she had to teach him all these things. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at in, in this phase of motherhood is, is teaching my kids how to do these day-to-day things. Um, And so it's really interesting how as I've grown, especially in my vocation, in my relationship, it's with her, it's been different phases. Um, You know, first learning how to trust um, and then going from there, like, okay, how do you do this as a mother? Um, Especially because um, when I was pregnant with Mary Trez, Um, the very last stage of my pregnancy was around Advent. Um, and so journeying with Mary during Advent as she got closer to giving birth, um, and as I got closer to giving birth was also very special, um, because she would have felt Jesus move within her, you know, and kicking and, and all that. And so, um, yeah, I I would say that's, yeah, my, my relationship has kind of gone through stages as any relationship does. Um, and it just keeps growing. Um, and I've like, like you said, father, I've done the consecration to our lady. Um, I wear my scapular. Um, that was always big in, in my family. And so like you said, find, find your, your few devotions and, and go with that because that's, that's how she's going to speak to you the most. Um, and I find that, you know, wearing my consecration chain or wearing my scapular is always a good reminder to, you know, go to Mary. What would Mary do in this situation? And obviously we named our first daughter after Our Lady of Fatima. So she's she's big in both Jason and I's 
lives. And I know Jason has a very big devotion to her as well. So, yeah, like I said, it, it kind of just I think I feel like it go, goes through stages for me um, with with Mary. But anyhow. Yeah, thank you. So my journey, again, it's progress. It's still a work in progress. Um, it started out very rough, <laughs> uh, very rough. You know, I mean, yeah, I grew up in, in the Catholic Church, right? I mean, we've been through my story before um, where I was very poorly catechized growing up, right? It's not like we had a very strong Catholic family. We never prayed the rosary. I didn't. I knew what a rosary looked like, but I didn't know how to pray it. I didn't know what the significance was. I didn't know that much about our Blessed Mother. You know, I left the church and I come back to the church. And I remember, this was right before I went to Peru, uh, my friend made a, a, a knotted rosary, a twine rosary for me, right? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how to pray this. Like, you know, and nor could I get on board with Mary. Like, I just, I couldn't agree. Like, I was still in that very Protestant kind of mindset of, well, she just, she was the one that gave birth to Jesus and that was it. There was no importance. She wanted no active role in my life. Uh, and so I remembered that I would pray the chaplet of divine mercy. I would not pray the rosary because I'm like, well, I'm not praying to Mary. Uh, it, it, but I would pray the chaplet of divine mercy because that very explicitly is referring to Jesus, even though now that I know more, they're very, very closely intertwined and go together, right? But that, so that was the mindset that I had for the very for the longest time. And that was, as I was coming back to the church, one of the things that really was a hesitation for me and saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to become a practicing Catholic again was uh, the idea of, of Mary. Uh, but the, and also the, the papacy was also another one, both of which I'm fine with, both of which I'm on board with, both of which I love, right, and support, right? But I remember that someone had given me, I was, I was having such a temper tantrum about Mary that, uh, and I just, I could not get on board. I was really hung up on this. Show me in scripture where she's that important. Show me uh, in, in church teaching where she's that important, right? Because like, I'm an academic, I'm more of an academic mindset. So like, show me in the teachings of the church where she's at. Well, instead of showing me in the teachings of the church where she's at, uh, this, this person just kind of threw into my life, like literally through the book, uh, the Total, the total consecration to Jesus through Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. Not 33 days to morning glory. Like, we're going big, right? And, and right, go bigger, go home. And she said, you know what? Because I was in college, the, the college, like the Newman Center kids were going through the consecration. And uh, they were ending on the, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary because the Diocese of Toledo is under the patroness of Our Lady of the Rosary because Rosary Cathedral is the cathedral. And she said, do this with us. I said, uh, okay. And by this point, I'm in my master's program at Franciscan, right? And uh, I was taking, I was getting ready to take a course called Mariology. <laughs> and so this was like the semester before this happened. And I am just gritting my teeth doing this consecration. I was so mad. I'm like, this does not make sense. But in the back of my mind, it did make sense. I just didn't want to admit it, right? Uh, and so we get through the consecration. I still was not fully on board. I go through my Mariology course. I made the consecration. Like I did the consecration. I've renewed the consecration every year since then. But then I went through this Mariology course. And it was then that hearing about the different apparitions and the different stories and the different messages, I'm, I, there was something within me that just started saying, maybe... Maybe she really is more than just the one that 
gave birth to Jesus. And what really got me was, uh, I, I forget where I read it or who said it to me, but they said, have you ever viewed Mary as the one that gave Jesus his fleshy heart? And it, because I have a deep devotion to the sacred heart of our Lord, obviously it goes very close with divine mercy, right? So uh, mercy and, and the sacred heart of Jesus are two of the big devotions, right? That really helped bring me back to the church. And, and when that person, or when I read it, wherever it was, that, that Mary gave Jesus his fleshy heart, that made her real, right? That made her real to me. Uh, and with that, recognizing that, that she then has this capacity to love in a way that I uh, don't have because she was without sin, right? And so starting to read in scripture where the church gets the teachings of Mary and then also watching the Passion Father, that scene that you mentioned is the, is the scene that makes me sob. <laughs> like the crucifixion is hard, the scourging is hard, uh, but the, the scene that really makes me cry is that scene of Mary running to Jesus. Uh, that also had a huge impact on me. That, that she, That's what she does. She runs to us. She doesn't wait for us to, to come to her. She will run to us. It's our responsibility then to welcome her, right? But she runs to us. Uh, and so that had a profound impact on me as well. And then just recently, um, and, and I pray the rosary, I would say probably 95% of the days, um, I have a, I just, I love to pray the rosary and journey with Our Lady, right, through the life of, of her son. And, and, and also that, that idea of a mother knows her son best, right? <laughs> and so her, a mother knows her children best. So she knows how to, to get us to Jesus. And um, recently I had this beautiful, I, I went to uh, a healing prayer um, to just heal some wounds. And, and I'll say this, and my mom knows this, uh, like we've had a very hard relationship uh, growing up and we've, grown closer we've there's been a lot of healing we've uh we, we definitely have grown a lot in our relationship but growing up it was hard we just we butted heads and she would admit this you know me going off to college and getting that separation was was probably the best thing for us and it allowed for some healing and and i think we love each other more now than i think we ever have had right and so but recently i just had this this prayer um healing my healing prayer session um, down at a farther down state a little bit and uh, the image that came to mind when I was praying through just like wanting some healing from that we went to my mind immediately went to the scene in the manger uh, where she had just given birth Mary had just given birth to our Lord and we're sitting in the manger and Mary she wraps her arm around me and I lean against her chest and so she has me wrapped in one arm and she has Jesus, the infant Jesus in the other arm and the, hearing her immaculate heart beat. It was that it, at that moment, she, it's like she whispered into my ear, my heart and his heart beat together. And, and that, I mean, up to this point, you know, I'm all, I'm still like, I love our lady. I have a deep devotion to her. I go to her for a lot, but there was a new level of motherhood that happened at that and this was just recently. I mean, this was just a few months ago. Uh, there was this new sense of motherhood that happened at that moment. Um, so there's, because anytime I picture myself with Jesus, I'm leaning against his chest and I'm listening to the sacred heartbeat. And so the fact in that prayer, my head was leaning up against her chest, hearing her heartbeat was just, 
that personally, that fulfilled what the church teaches about her motherhood to the church, right? In my academic brain, that made it that personal encounter. So, uh, for me, that's it's been that journey of prove it to me and where the church teaches. And then Our Lady has just tenderly shown herself as a, a true mother uh, in ways that I can't even... I can't even explain. But I again, I pray the rosary. I, I wear the scapular, but I don't try to, to do all of the devotions. But I, I keep her at the forefront of my mind often. So mm-hmm. that's my, my journey and just kind of coming to know her and where I'm at even now and uh, learning how she's, he, she's a mother, not only to me, but to everyone. That honestly just reminds me of um, what Our Lady said to Juan Diego, Our Lady of Guadalupe, she said, Am I not here? I who am your mother. You know, she she is our mother. When Christ said to her on the cross, behold your son. He was saying this, the church. These are now your children. And Mary takes on that role completely. She is there for every single one of us, which is just absolutely amazing because that's a lot of kids to love. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I, I love that quote from, from Our Lady to Juan Diego. You know, am I not here? I who am your mother. I think it, yeah. really, I really, it really speaks to the relationship she wants to have with all of us. Because she wants that. Just as Christ wants a relationship with us, she wants it the same, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really grateful that you guys shared that. I'm, I'm just so grateful for this conversation because I think... Um, as I hear it in real time, like what it is that it seems to be doing, I think one of the things is it shows that just being human, we have such a diverse um, amount of life experiences and personalities. And like some people are academics, some people aren't. Some people um, know what it's like to be a mother, some people don't, right? And so um, Mary is kind of like this multifaceted gem where everyone is going to be able to relate to her in some way um, in all of that diversity. And so, um, you know, maybe as as Emma, you were describing that whole, um, the, the light bulb moment for you was like, Mary gave Jesus a fleshy heart. Maybe for one of our listeners, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, like that's it. And and that's kind of my in route, you know, to Mary. And then somebody else could listen to that and go, oh, that's, that's nice, but not necessarily impacting me. And uh, Mary Kay, when you're talking about um, all the way back to your parents and then you having that deep devotion to Our Lady of Fatima, like people can go, okay, that's nice. Like I honor that devotion, but that doesn't necessarily speak to me. Um, and so I, I think what this conversation has shown is that um, we shouldn't feel ashamed if we're not drawn to a particular devotion or aspect of Mary, but to just be open to exploring what is it about Mary um, that um, she's she's seeking to draw you into her uh, motherly heart through a particular um, devotion or, or image or whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, I- but... I, so it, I wanted to we bring about this because uh, I, I wrote the question down at the beginning and, you know, um, what do people do if they truly do feel ashamed that they don't have a devotion to Mary or they don't get it right? Um, I, I want to just say, first of all, like, it's okay if you don't get it. <laughs> um, it's okay. Like, there's no there's no reason to feel ashamed. Um, like, our lady does not dislike you <laughs> because you don't get it, right? Um, there were a lot of things that I didn't get in the church. All I did was just take a step, 
right? Just, um, and there was an openness. And perhaps if you are one of those people that, that you're just like, I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't want all, understand what all the fuss is about Mary or why people, you know, why there's so many titles or why we have such a high esteem for her. Uh, my, my, I, I want to just throw out this suggestion is just the simple prayer of uh, Lord, Lord Jesus, like just ask Jesus, right? Lord Jesus, uh, show me your mother, right? Like just show me your mother or, or show me how, how Mary works in all of this, right? And allow Jesus to reveal his mother to you, right? Um, because while, yes, a mother knows her son best and Mary knows her son better than, than any of us, Jesus knows Mary better than she knows, right? Because he created her. And so um, perhaps like if you are in that stage, like a, just a simple prayer is, Jesus, show me your mother, like reveal to me um, who your mother is and who she is to me. So I just, I, I wanted to, to, um, to mention that, you know, uh, sure. if so, so for those who might feel that hesitancy, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And I, I think just to echo that and maybe to wrap it up from my end, especially as we're, we're recording this now towards mid April. So maybe this will get released close to May, which is uh, traditionally a month of Mary in the church. Um, yeah, I just hope that this conversation helps people to realize that, and just to kind of normalize the fact that we all kind of go through stages in understanding who Mary is and how to relate to her. Um, it's it's an organic development, just like any other relationship. So um, what I'm repeating and what I'm trying to echo uh, Emma saying is don't feel ashamed of where you're at. Just um, be open to exploring what um, Mary has in store for you for this next step of whatever uh stage of life that you are in or stage of the journey you're at in your uh, relationship with her. So, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and even too, like you can reflect on the uh, annunciation passage in scripture too. Uh, that, and actually I found out that my baptism day is March 26th. That's so the day after the annunciation. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, I try not to be salty that, you know, I wasn't baptized on the annunciation, but definitely Mary is more important than, you know, <laughs> Right. She has, you know, a little bit more importance there. But um, just to reflect on the, the idea that, wow, okay, Mary, the receptivity of Mary. Um, and, and then also, too, I mean, if you are like that more, quote unquote, academic and you want to read, like, what does the church actually teach? Like, where, where can you find this? Um, the, in the Vatican II document, Lumen Gentium, uh, which is one of the, the four main documents that came out of Vatican II, at the very end of that document, they talk about uh, Mary as mother of the church and why we hold her to such high esteem uh, with Christ in the church. So if you're looking for more of a, where is it, this, where, where do we find this in church teaching in Lumen Gentium, chapter eight to be specific, talks about that as well. So, cause I know I was one of those people, it was like, show it to me mm-hmm. uh, in the documents or in the church teaching. So. Yeah, good so, yeah. reference. Did you have anything that you wanted to add? I also wanted to say, like, speaking as a mother, like, yes, I can go to Mary and be like, okay, she understands. But also, another thing, too, is knowing a mother's love really opens up my eyes because I love my kids. 
Like, they, from the moment of their, like, the beginning of their existence, there is, it's really hard to describe, but it's a whole different kind of love. And you have to, at different stages, love them in different ways. Sometimes you have to be hard with them, but sometimes you can comfort them. And so, like, there's all these different stages to a mother's love and Mary knows all of them. And so sometimes she knows that the best way for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus is to have that hard love. And sometimes she knows what you need in that moment is the comforting love. And so that really also opens up when you understand that it opens up a whole new way of understanding Mary because she she knows what you need and so she's going to give it to you. So if what it takes is for you to hit rock bottom, she knows that's what it's going to have to be. But if she knows you need a different kind of love, that's what she's going to give you. Um, and so I think that's also really important to understand because if you feel like you're having a hard time with Mary... Maybe she's understanding that you need the hard, the hard times or you need the comfort. Whatever you might need, she knows that you need it because we all have to get to certain points to understand what we need. Um, and so I think that's also really important to understand is she loves us with a mother's love and that's going to look different at different times. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, ladies. That's fun. Yeah, thanks for the topic. Yeah. I love talking sure. about Our Lady. It's always a joy. And mm-hmm. as Mary Kate said, like just as Jesus knows how to speak to us, like He'll speak our language. Uh, Mary also knows. So sometimes she gives me sass. <laughs> not that I'm sassy. Yeah, you wouldn't know how to relate to that. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that right there is me being sassy. <laughs> exactly the irony. All right. Well, Father, thank you. Uh, for leading us in that topic. Sure thing. Shall we go to the One Joys? Yes. I don't know what mine is. I have mine. Okay. Okay, so my One Joy is we are, as we're recording, we are in Easter week, so it's still... Easter octave. The Easter octave. Sorry. Um, so still fresh in my mind is is uh, the Triduum, and uh, one of the best things from the entire Triduum was Good Friday, we go up to venerate the cross, and I asked Mary Tres, because she's walking beside me, do you want to give Jesus kisses? And she says, yeah. So I pick her up, and she just plants one right on his knees. And <laughs> Father uh, Prentice was, he had a huge smile on his face. I had a huge smile on my face because of the innocence, you know, mm-hmm. of that moment. Um, and like, I, I was walking back to our pew and I was shaking because that's what it's all about when you're when you're trying to raise your kids in the faith. You're trying to show them how to love Jesus. And so before nap time, before bedtime, we always have them kiss the crucifixes in their room. And so seeing that moment where she was able to venerate the crucifix on Good Friday, like, oh, that got me right in my mama's heart. So that's my one joy for today. Beautiful. I do actually have one ready. Uh, mine also is uh, the Triduum. Love the Triduum. Uh, and I was 
I was behind you guys, so I didn't see that. But oh, yeah. it was, yeah, it was just it was very, very beautiful. And there was something very beautiful about uh, Father Father Tipton holding the cross, uh, and just his the way his head, like he just rested his head on the cross while we all uh, venerated it. And it, so it was a, just a beautiful image of the priesthood right there and, and Christ. So uh, that's not m- my one joy, but that's part of it. Um, I would just say. Uh, my my one joy was was Easter Sunday. Like there was just something about Easter Sunday that was really beautiful and was able to. Oh, that's a beautiful picture. Actually, I did see this and I almost sent it to you. There's a picture. Side notes. Squirrel moments of the diocese put a picture of they got a picture of Mary Kate venerating the cross. Uh-huh. So for listeners, I'm showing Father Kevin this picture on Mary Kate's phone. Anyways. Um, so Easter Sunday, Mass was, was beautiful. Um, Bishop had a phenomenal homily, as always, uh, and then went over with uh, Deacon Matthew and his family for lunch because I stayed in Michigan. So they were able to uh, house me again, went over there last year, and this year I survived making brownies from scratch, and they actually turned out good. Hey. Uh, I was, yeah, impressed. So Easter Sunday and then also... Um, went over to another family's for for dinner so uh, it was just a beautiful day of being able to visit with people and and celebrate our lord in the the triduum so the end of the triduum so yeah my one joy great or multiple one joys however you want to phrase that right right so um speaking of mary so i technically can't announce this until like five hours from now so when this gets published it'll be um public knowledge but you guys have to keep it a secret for like five hours but um i have officially been appointed the pastor of holy name of mary parish where i'm at now um which i was here this past year and i was i wasn't really given a timeline of am i just going to be here for a year three years five years what are we looking at here and so um bishop just uh informed me that i will be the pastor which means starting this summer i'm locked in for a six-year term so pretty excited and uh yeah just very uh, grateful for the opportunity um it's been an awesome community here so looking forward to the years to come praise god yeah means we need to get out to harbor beach to celebrate amen and maybe record a, an episode while we're out there. We're all together. It'd be great. That'd be perfect. So, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Exciting. So, yeah. baby Father Kevin's growing up. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> With Mary as my mother. So. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, it's a good episode. Yeah. It's a good chat. So. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, happy easter octave blessings to everyone even though by the time you hear this it's going to be out of the octave and into the easter season but the grace is still easter Easter, so happy easter uh we we truly my prayer i've been praying for all of the listeners just the abundant easter blessings uh the joy of the risen lord just reigns very strong in all of your hearts so uh with that um who wants to close in prayer Let's just say a simple Hail Mary. Okay. Not that it's a bad thing. <laughs> simple isn't always bad, but just... As Mary Kate was pointing to Father Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Hail Mary, full, full of, grace, of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Lady, cause of our joy. Pray for pray us. Pray for us. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Peace thanks. Out. 
See ya. Change landings. Oh.